Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Hi, this is Lily and welcome to Master Leadership Through Crisis series, where we will connect with leaders worldwide to gain insights on important questions to help us navigate through rough waters. If you would like to participate as a guest, or if you have a question that you would like to ask a guest, go to masterleadership.org for more information. Today, we are speaking with Dr. Anita Sanchez, who inspires people to discover and trust their gifts so that they become a life-giving connection to themselves, to other people, and to our collective home, the earth. Embraced by the love of her indigenous and Mexican ancestors, Anita was taught the power of dreams, vision, community, and stories that help heal the heart and body and quench the thirst of the mind for wisdom. For more than four decades, she has remained passionate about bridging indigenous wisdom and organization sciences to support global corporate and nonprofit leaders and their teams to create thriving and generative relationships and workplaces around the world. Anita is a living example of an authentic, heart-centered leader who knows with certainty, in times of uncertainty, that we are far more than our circumstances. It is possible to live our dreams while fulfilling our life purpose and caring for people and our earth. Her work has been benchmarked, focusing primarily on diversity, inclusion, and engagement, while also exploring unconscious bias, cultural change, and leadership development. Anita is a speaker and author of the international award-winning book, The Four Sacred Gifts, Indigenous Wisdom for Modern Times and co-author of Success University for Women in Business, Ecological and Social Healing, Multicultural Women's Voices, and Yo Tambien, Stories of Healing and Hope. Dr. Sanchez knows that service to others brings joy and gratitude to all facets of a leader's life. She is an active board member of the Pachamama Alliance, Bioneers, and Evolutionary Business Council, as well as a member of the Transformational Leadership Council and the Tipping Point System. Anita particularly enjoys leading an annual journey of leaders and their families into the sacred headwaters of the Amazon to deepen their understanding of the importance of culture, nature, and a purposeful life. Welcome, Dr. Anita Sanchez. How are you? I am very good. Really good. Well, we're so happy to have you on our podcast. Are you ready to pour into our listeners? Sure am. I'm so delighted to be with you and to have all of them listening. Awesome. So can you tell us a bit about your path to leadership and what you're doing now? 
Well, the path has been one that I actually dreamt about very early on. So as early as age three and four, I remember having this dream and I still have it as an adult. You and remember the dream is, that? Wait, you remember? I remember it? that. Wow. I remember the dream. I shared my dream. Well, I'm part indigenous and Aztec uh-huh. and, and Mexican-American. And so in my family, we always shared dreams. My grandmother was big on dreams, my mom. And so at age three, I dreamt the earth and all these stick people of different sizes and colors. And what was also interesting about that, we weren't holding hands. We had our hands on each other's hearts. And so when I went to kindergarten, that's what I drew when they said, what are you going to be when you grow up? And I drew that. And I remember very clearly that I was the last kid in the class to go. And they, people had mommies, daddies, really wonderful firemen, all kinds of wonderful. And I show this. And the kids started laughing. And the teacher said, put away your crayons. What I remember is, you know, like a little kid, you would usually be embarrassed or something. Instead, I just remember it just rang really true for me. So I knew I was going to be a leader. So very early on with the murder of my father, the death of him at age 13. Oh, wow. um, yeah, all of us needed to go to work as soon as we could and graduate from school as quickly as I could. And luckily school was always very wonderful. I was curious and very good at it. So I started college at 16 and immediately continued on the route of not only a leader was I in high school, but I was student body president of the University of Colorado in Boulder, where I came to school. And, you know, I have always just been leadership, leadership, leadership. And immediately in my mid-20s, I was already working internationally. So I kind of did the opposite, worked internationally before coming domestically, working a lot with women and educators in the whole realm of peace and development. Well, and what is it that you're doing right now? Now, I have been for some 40 plus years really focusing on diversity, inclusion, positive change, large-scale change, culture change. And so for years, I've worked with Fortune 500 corporations and then global nonprofits in really doing what I had in my dream. It's helping them to connect, to learn, to be curious about each other and their gifts and make room for those gifts so that way that we could you know, create a really thriving, whether it's in the workplace or it's in the community, wherever that is that people are bringing forth all those gifts and they're accepted because it's, you have the gifts, but even when you bring them forth, are they accepted? And so Mm -hmm. that's been my wonderful work and I continue to do that. So those are big areas, diversity, inclusion, positive change, but you started when you were three. That's phenomenal. (laughs) It's amazing to me that you were able to connect at such a young age and stick with it. I believe that a lot of times we do have dreams as children and it depends on how we grow up, right? It depends on our environment, whether that's valued or not, but certainly it was valued in yours. And one thing I wrote down as you were talking is that you're very confident. Yes. Part of that comes with age. Part of it comes from worldview. So part of my work that I have been doing always is weaving indigenous wisdom into whatever I'm doing. So whether it's a merger and acquisition, coaching an executive, designing the training for an association of independent schools, or coaching a leader in education, it's always about bringing my full self, not to impose it, it's always an invitation, to invite the other to bring their full self. So I weave that wisdom Mm -hmm. throughout. So it makes so much sense I remember early on, some people were like, it seems a little woo-woo. Now, science is catching up with our ancestors, you know? And so the things that they're saying, I said, yes, and this is how we've 
practiced that for millennia. This is how it's been passed down over hundreds, hundreds, and longer years. And people are like, and now we know the United Nations and lots of groups, scientists are saying, whoa, we need to study, we need to understand more of these people who understand their relationship to themselves and to all beings, both people, earth, and nature. Because we're now understanding that everything is sentient and how intimately interconnected we are, right? Lily, we are so connected now. All of us know there is no denying. People can make up their story about it. But we are seeing what happens halfway around the world does impact you. Burning the rainforest and the Amazon affects the 20% of our oxygen that comes from there. My being kind to you or my being mean to you has an impact. We know from science, just in a 14-foot radius, it has an impact, but it has an impact at everyone you touch for the next 24 hours or for a lifetime, Mm -hmm. and same for me. So that means just being really mindful about what we're doing and to not just use the mind, it's really about using the heart Mm -hmm. as well to guide us. I don't say that often, that people are confident. I connected with being comfortable in your own skin. And you certainly are. This is what I believe. We're spiritual beings. We walk in our bodies. We've been gifted with an intelligence. And when we're using all three aspects of that, we come in full and comfortable in our own skin. And you certainly are. And I love doing what I'm doing because this energizes me. You're just exuding all this positive energy and I love it. Oh, good. I'm glad. I'm hoping the listeners are picking that up too, because that's what all of us are. We're all worthy of being whole human beings, what we talk about, who know how to be in right relationship with ourselves and others. Now, how can we connect with you? You can go to foursacredgifts.com, F-O-U-R, sacredgifts.com. That's probably the simplest because that will share a lot about the indigenous wisdom in the international award-winning book that I have. It'll also have the links to go to my business where my consulting and training and speaking and stuff. But I think that's the one that I really want this indigenous wisdom to go out because these gifts we already have, we all have them and it's just a matter of using them. And tell us about your book. The book is called The Four Sacred Gifts, Indigenous Wisdom for Modern Times. It came out in 2017, but it's based on an Eagle Hoop prophecy, a prophecy that came about in 1994 with an indigenous elders vision. And the vision said, do a call out to indigenous elders all over the world, bring them together in ceremony, and you create this hoop. So they built this hoop and they hung 100 eagle feathers, 27 elders from all over the world. And then as they prayed and chant and sang in their own languages and did ceremony, they then put four gifts into the hoop for all humanity, not just for indigenous people, for all humankind, because we are in a great winter and that winter was going to go on a long time and it was going to be devastating unless we remembered. And not that we were flawed or there were problems, but that we needed to remember how to create harmony and balance in our own lives and in connection with all our relatives. So that's where they put the four gifts in. And ever since then, I've been adding those and using those in all my work. And then finally in 2017, due to another really fun miracle, a couple of years before that, I wrote the book. I was actually writing a book for my mother who passed away. But as I sat to write, my book kept coming out and I asked her forgiveness. She was a big reader, seventh grade education, brilliant woman though. And I know she was fine with me writing my book first. And so now I'm working on hers. Anita, thank you so much for sharing that. So we are hopefully on the tail end of this global COVID-19 pandemic. 
How has that affected you, your organization, your family? Well, first of all, all the paid work went away. So as soon as we went into sheltering in, everything got canceled. A couple of clients that were considering doing some things virtually. And that's important because on one hand, what is clear to me is that I don't want to transcend the suffering. I don't want to spiral down into it. But this virus is attacking everyone. Mm -hmm. However, some people are more at risk. Some locations are more at risk. And some people, because of the inequity in terms of access to health, to nutrition, and other things that have been some of the systemic things due to some of the systems and structures, the isms that are in place, that's impacting them. So I really feel and hurt for that, and I understand. So what it's done for me is to really use this time to assess again what it is that I'm doing, what's meaningful. And I was traveling a whole lot, and there's some wonderful things about that because I love meeting people all over the world. However, I've got to be home now and actually see the spring come and see all the birds and be with my son who's living here, finishing his engineering school, doing it all online now, and my husband and partner in business. So what I see this being as I talk to elders all over the world and what I'm experiencing in ceremony too, is that this is not a punishment. I hear a lot of people talking about, oh, this is Mother Earth and she's slamming us. Well, if Mother Earth was going to slam us, believe me, this is not this, this, <laughs> this we have a lot it. more we can see at Mother Earth. What we really are experiencing is that this is a realignment. And when we talk to scientists in different parts of the world who are also like studying all the different shifts and things that are happening, and I'm using this time to understand even in a deeper level, I thought it was fairly deep, Lily, of who am I and being part of one hoop of life, what does that mean? And it's already caused some extraordinary shifts for me. Tell me one shift it has caused. Okay. One of the shifts was, I'm a Latina and a Native person. I love food. I love to eat. It's a very social thing. I eat when I'm happy. I eat when I'm sad. I eat when I'm anxious. I eat when I'm joyful. And so when this thing happened, I looked at myself. I said, Anita, you're doing all these talks, engagements. You're writing all these articles and journals, inviting people to reconnect to themselves, to other people, and to the earth itself. What are you doing for this little ecosystem mm -hmm. and so I immediately went of course is well what are you putting into it and how is it in a generative relationship with the earth and what you're eating I'll forever be a meat eater however I cut back on it not just once a week way back a lot of vegetables just really eating nutrition not junk food not processed stuff really truly saying I honor this but not a diet really a mind shift about how I'm connected to the world. And so the nice part, I've only got on the scale twice because I don't want to make it be a weight thing. I want it to be about really what's happening in the shift in my head and my heart. And I've released 16 pounds. And I know that is a lot. That's a lot. That tells you I had a lot probably to lose. However, to release, but it's the mind thing and my heart that I'm now able when I write or talk to people about how our circumstances are not who we are and we can change those and although it looks wonderful oh my gosh you had all this amazing elders and growing up and you were smart i also had a deep secret which was from age four to 13 i was also sexually abused and i kept that a secret oh, wow. and so when i talk about these gifts the power to forgive the unforgivable the power to heal the power of unity the power of hope and action 
I think what you're experiencing, and other people say competence, sometimes they use different words, but that's one of them to describe it, is that I have an intimate relationship in using these gifts. It's not just theory. I have forgiven the unforgivable. I am always about daily about my healing. I see it as a gift, not at all, oh my gosh, I got to do this again. No, I get to do this again. And then unity and hope that like a lot of people love to focus in on, and I do too, and I teach a lot of that with positive psychology, I understand that as great of our attention, as much support as you get to go forward, I have seen from the C-suite to leaders in communities to leaders in their home where they bump up against what is stopping it? And that's our own ability to forgive, mm -hmm. our own ability to heal. It's an ongoing process. Right. And you I know, know you know that. I appreciate so much you sharing that. I didn't expect it. And I feel like we need another session here because there's so much value in what you're bringing here. And I'm sure that you've probably experienced this. But for me, I, you know, we share similar backgrounds and I continue to have to reconnect to my body. And I do that through yoga, but I constantly have to reconnect. And so as you're talking, you know, my heart is swelling up because I absolutely get it. How yes. we can be so outward and doing, 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 and we forget about this yes. beautiful gift we've been given. But because of our past, now we have to grow into it. I'm excited to connect and see how that's happening for you. Yes. Well, I think part of this was, I mean, it was horrific, so I don't make, to make light of it. And people have different durations of time of doing their healing. The thing I encourage people is that if it's starting to come up for you, that's your inner wisdom saying, it's time. It's time. And sometimes people think that forgiveness is weakness or it's forgetting what happened or saying it was okay or that you're betraying yourself or your family or a whole group of people because there's some big, big ones, right? Not only individual kind of sufferings and things. However, what forgiveness really is about is about freedom. It's about self-love. When you love yourself enough to say, hey, I don't want it, all this energy. And for me, because it happened so long over time at a very young age, I began in my teens to identify that that was me. And instead it was like, wait a minute, we are not the hurts, pains, and mistreatments. Yes, they help us build muscles. Yes, there are things we have to heal. And some of them take a lot of work, but they're not us. Who we truly are is what you were talking about. And that is we are spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical, these beings. And my indigenous elders had always taught me that one of the wonderful things we get to do in life is to continually put in alignment the spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical. So when you talked about even the somatic work that you do, yes, I've always big in sports and growing up, oh my gosh, it was a lifesaver. That was the time I felt like I owned my body. That was the time I remembered, wait a minute, this is not what's happening to it in this other dark place. This is not who I am. And then, of course, now I do Qigong and I do walking meditations and all sorts of different kinds of things that help in terms of releasing the stress in my body, which is really, really important. But it's at every level. And so we get to be good medicine to ourselves. Yes. And then when we're good medicine to ourselves, I'm talking beyond a pharmaceutical, not that that's bad, use that when you do, but I'm talking about we can all do that, be good medicine to ourselves. Then we can do that with others. Then we can mirror that and model that, not in that I'm better than or I have it all together, but rather, wow, look at it's possible, you know, and listening to your 
story before we had this interview, I was inspired. I was like, yes, here's another one, you know, and I know that you're touching the hearts of people, everyone you've come in contact with too. So there's millions of us. So my little three-year-old dream that I still have, I knew that, I mean, there were many, many of us. Now I know there are millions of us and it's important every single one of us on this earth at this time with what's going on, our gifts are needed. We are meant to use them. So that's why I'm so appreciative of you having me because these four gifts, use them. And I will tell you personally, they shift things. Not that you still don't get lonely at times or a little down, but I would tell you, I don't stay there very long. I look at it. I don't try to stuff pain and suffering or any emotion. Instead, I look at it and I move. Where do I want to go? What is it that I want to create in the world right now? and going forward. I do share my forgiveness story. I don't know if you've heard it, but it's on masterleadership.org forward slash forgiveness. And I have my trust manifesto and so much power comes from that. And I appreciate you sharing that. I feel like we're going to be friends for a long time. I think that's absolutely (laughs) the case. You're touching, you're reaching out and touching my heart. All right. So Anita, what quotes or advice has helped you most during crisis? Well, there's two things. One is the whole notion that there's this morning star that many tribes have, but particularly in the Plains area. And so I was gifted this when I got married. I was gifted when I had children. And I remember my grandmother saying a version of this, which is like, every day is a new day. So you might be way down, but you know, the sun will rise again. And you have, it's another, it's another opportunity. So every day is a new day. It allows the possibility, right? And the other thing is a lesson that my grandmother, my abuelita, taught me when I was four years old. So my older sister was six. and My little sister was like two and a half or something. We spent the night and she got us up real early and it was dark. And the sun was just about to come up. And we got outside by her garden. And she asked us to be quiet for five minutes. And we're, every hour we're going to be quiet for five minutes. And she wanted us to move the way of her sunflowers. It was in August, late August. So the sunflowers were already out. And so you can imagine what happened. So we go and play and we do different things in the house. And then on the hour, we'd come back out. And what happened during that day, all day long, we started to move. Why? Because the sunflowers look at the sun. The sunflowers go to the light. And so I had no idea as a little girl, a four-year-old, what all of that meant. I just knew I was getting the loving attention of my grandmother and these amazing flowers. I felt like between that and the sun, something was happening. And indeed it was. She was teaching the lesson of us, all our relations were connected and to always look to the light. And so then we go in, it's dark, we have dinner and she starts takes us back out. And I'm like, grandma, we can't see, what are you doing? And so we get over there by the sunflowers and she turns on the light and all of us are huddled together looking at each other. But then we look over the flowers and the flowers are all looking at each other. So there it is in the darkness, in the challenges, Rather than going downward into fear and panic and all that, yes, name it when you go there. But also what I was taught is look for who's around you. We all need human connection. That's part of being a human being. So look for the people who are around you. Celebrate that. Look at the nature that is providing you the oxygen as it takes the carbon, the sun, the rain, all of that. So that's more than a quote, but that's a story that I'm wanting you and your listeners to hear because we can learn a lot from each other. We can learn a lot from nature. We're part of one hoop of life. 
And that to me gives us more than enough, more than what we need is absolutely here. And that pain hurts, mistreatments, those kinds of things can make the illusion as if we're alone and separate. No, we're never alone and we're not separate. And now is the time that we can really, really take that to mind and heart. What a powerful story. Not only was it very moving, but I learned some things about sunflowers. Yeah, I've always loved sunflowers, but I didn't know they did that. Yes, I love the big fields of them in Europe. I'm sure they have them here in the Midwest, but I remember going working in Europe and you could just see this fields and they move all day long. That's so great. Beautiful. That's great. Hey, leaders, stay tuned for the rest of the interview following this brief message. Do you get headaches or not feel quite right after a glass or two of wine? Well, you're not alone. I recently discovered organic, clean-crafted wines that are a game-changer for me. Scout & Cellar has a clean-crafted commitment to ensure that they produce wines without synthetic chemicals as they take care of the earth in the process. I can now enjoy wine without any adverse effects. Visit scoutandcellar.com forward slash lily. That's S-C-O-U-T-A-N-D-C-E-L-L-A-R dot com forward slash L-I-L-Y and learn more about these delicious wines. You'll be glad you did. Great leaders deserve great wines. Now, Anita, many use the term lifelong learner. Yes. What does that mean to you and what are you learning right now? What it means to me is the part that makes me really happy and the listeners can't see, but I'm sort of smiling ear to ear because I've always been curious and a learner. And that's part of the joy of being alive, of being a human being is we get to continually learn. So for me, it's like at one point I used to have sadness, like, oh, if only I was independently wealthy instead of working, 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 I would just stay in school all the time. And then I realized, well, that's silly. You learn all the time anyway, you know, constantly. And part of having my own organization, my own business for 40 some years is because I wanted to constantly learn. You know, you don't get hired as an external if you're not keeping up with what's going on. And so I learn everywhere I can in all different kinds of fields. So to me, that's what a lifelong learner is. And that none of us arrive, at least I don't know anyone, even the Dalai Lama. I remember the Dalai Lama once said that I'm still learning. I have great compassion for all things, but I'm still having difficulty with bed bugs. I'm not quite there with them. And I thought, okay, even the Dalai Lama is still learning and growing. So of course I would say that I have fun things to learn. Some of them come easy and some come with some lessons, but I'm so grateful for all of them. Right. And this is a big part of effective leadership is always being in that learning mentality and the curiosity that you spoke about. So what are you learning right now? Besides my body, which I told you the story about my own ecosystem. So what were the stories that I was telling about myself? What are the emotions that come up when all of a sudden I think, oh, I really need to have that chocolate. I used to be a chocoholic up to now. Oh, I love chocolate Um, and wine. Yeah, I do too. But you see, but little bits, but I'm talking (laughs) about someone who like will eat the whole chocolate bar instead of like, oh, just a little corner. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that kind of thing. So I'm learning that, but I'm also learning now how many human beings all over the world have been, not just since COVID, not just since the pandemic, but have been working and collaborating with each other, scientists, the UN, businesses, artists, you know, musicians, consultants, mothers, all of them. Leaders. Leaders. That's it. The reality is I used to go into rooms and ask, are you working with women? 
and I'd say, okay, how many of your leaders raise your hand? And it used to drive me crazy when people didn't raise their hand. We're all leaders. At minimum, we're leaders of our own life. So what I'm learning about this is this leadership that's happening all over. We're seeing it where people are going out on their decks and singing to each other. We're seeing kindnesses to the neighbors that people never even knew. We're seeing what's about to come out is a world anthem. We're seeing scientists now having data they never thought we would have as I work in some of these environmental groups. Oh my gosh, we'll be able to see really what our footprint is because we never thought we'd have a several month period where there was a pause by what human beings so that we could really see what do we change going forward. And so here's the last piece on what I'm learning. This is so fun for me because I'll own that I have a little bit of doubt inside. So I have to keep working on that doubt. But there was recently, a couple of weeks ago, a poll done in the UK and it was a big one. And it was asking, how many of you want to go back to what it was before this? How many of you want that? And a part of me, before I read it, I thought, oh gosh, here it is. We're going to have a lot of work to do. 97% said, no, do not want to go back. There are many things we need to change. Only 3% said they want to go back. Then I thought, okay, well, the U.S. is probably different. But now we're starting to see smaller polls in region and significant majority of people who are saying, it's not 97%, I'm not seeing, but the majority of people saying, no, we're seeing things. Our healthcare system's broken. We need to fix it. Our educational system. And oh my gosh, how about the kids who don't have the computers? What are we talking about sending people and they have no way to continue to learn. So all these different things that we just were so in our busyness, not paying attention to that we're still crying out, we weren't seeing. So I'm very hopeful. I'm not going to be Pollyannish. It's not just going to magically happen. It's going to require us remembering that when we do finally become out of shelter, which sounds like it could be still a significant amount of time. However, that we don't forget the learnings. And that's the other part of a lifelong learner, that we put into action what we learn. And so I'm very hopeful by those studies and what I'm seeing in people's behavior, the level of awareness that's growing and the actual actions of kindness and compassion and sharing and care that exists Mm -hmm. among us. Send me that information. I really want to look Yes, I'll send you the link. I'm pretty sure I have it pretty close by because a number of people have been asking about that. So you talked about being hopeful. When you think of leadership today, Mm -hmm. what most concerns you and what are you most hopeful about? What concerns me most about leadership today are the leaders who are divisive, that are saying it's either this way or that way, rather than being the leader that if it is a problem to solve, that means there is a direction you go. However, a lot of things are not problems to solve. There are dilemmas to manage. So right now when we're hearing people being made good who are sheltering in and don't go out and just really are being in solidarity for their own life and the lives of others are being seen as good. The bad people are the people who want to go to work because they want to support their families. They're running out of food. They don't know how to pay for their rent. And we act as if these are separate. Both groups care about life. And I don't hear leaders holding that. I hear them playing one off the other. And we need leaders, whether it's in our medical field or in education or government, in our homes, who we can talk about these things. So we've been having conversations both in Zoom with 
different groups of people, but as well in our home, like, what did we experience today? And really saying, what was a problem that could be solved, that we can solve? And what is a dilemma that we're managing, which still requires action, but understanding that they're intimately interconnected? Like, what's more important, the individual or the group? What are you talking about? (laughs) They're both important. That has been a concern of mine, the divisiveness. And we're seeing a lot of the fallback from that. So hopefully, as leaders ourselves, as listeners who are leaders, we're looking to shift and change that. So thank you so much for sharing that. Now, I have a question from Nathaniel Zerbrig, and he wants to know, how intentional are you about growing yourself as a leader? At least twice a day, and during this time, it's been three times. So I have a practice, as many leaders do. And when I work with leaders, I help them develop a practice if they don't have one. Oftentimes they do, but it's not intentional. Mm -hmm. So every day, there's a whole process I go through from my whole body first, just in gratitude, then I continue the list what I'm grateful for, then I read something inspiring, then I go for my hike or my walk, it's just to get the newspaper with the dog, and I chant to the four directions. And in that, what I am doing is I'm setting very clear the intention that I am part of everything and everything is part of me, and that what I think, say, and do be in service to the whole I've been doing that every morning, every night. It doesn't have to take a long time. Sometimes I take a full 45 minutes. Sometimes it's a 15 minute and I'm off. But now I've been doing it at lunchtime too because I feel like so much is happening that it requires me to settle in and to meditate, to do Qigong or whatever it is that makes sense to me. Sometimes it's just standing outside next to a tree and just settling in and discovering what is coming up, just listening. Do you find like you have to do that often to reset? To reset for me generally only takes a breath. Oh, that's skillful. So generally it's just a breath. Okay. I've worked with people from warring countries. I've worked in pretty tough situations in corporate arena. Also very wonderful things. But what I know is that part of my ability to support them is not only all my PhD training and all my indigenous wisdom and all that, but it's how I be. And so just taking in-breath through the nose mm-hmm. and exhale through the mouth. Nobody even knows that you're doing it, but just open your mouth just a little bit. Inhale to the count of six, exhale to the count of six. Reality over time is you don't even have to count or anything. But what we're doing is we're down-regulating the amygdala, our hindbrain that's always about survival. And unfortunately, we get triggered so much because of various things in our own life, because of media, other things, that if we just with that simple inhale and exhale, we can already start calming our body. And we know that if we were to hook ourselves up, we could see our heart rate variability changing. We also know when we do that, we allow the positive hormones to start moving instead of the cortisol, the overabundance of panic kind of hormone going through us. But I love those practices. I love the whole thing, Lily, because it's again a way, even when my children were small, you know, I needed to get up and do things with them. I would just get up a little bit earlier and still have that time because I found that I could be present in a whole nother way by honoring myself with that time. I love how you equip yourself so that you can serve others better. And that's such a powerful practice. Now, as a listener of this podcast, what is a question that you would like a future leadership guest to respond to? What are you curious about? I'm curious about, and I would want really specifics from these leaders. When I think leader, I'm 
think of pretty big, like a huge educational system or big national corporation mm -hmm. or leader of a country. So and, if that's you, listen in. Go ahead. Okay. Yes. I'm wanting big change. So I would want to ask them, what gives them hope that then compels them to be in action to create positive change in any arena, whatever it is that is theirs to do? I would love to hear a lot more of that, actually. I think we're hearing all the things that are broken, but I'm not hearing enough about people collaborating or thinking about what we can shift. I hear it at the individual level. I hear teachers all the time figuring out how to do this online stuff and what they're doing and the extra care for the families they know that, you know, there are nine to a two or three room apartment. Mm -hmm. See, that's leadership. Right. I expect that leadership at every level, including at the big macro level. I love that question. Okay, great. So we will ask that of one Wonderful. of our future leaders. So Anita, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? My message, hopefully that you get is that you are worthy. Every one of us are meant to be here. And whether your circumstances are really tough, both past or present, or whether they're even joyful, we're all needed. And we're not our circumstances. And so when we realize that, then we can, oh my gosh, there's so much magic that we can create, not only individually, but when we do it together. Like I think about Lily, you and I, how many people we're touching that then are connecting to other people. I mean, that's just powerful. So that's really, you're not your circumstances. You're more than that. And so move through, use the gifts of forgiveness, healing, unity, and hope in action. And I wish you all the best. Anita, I want to thank you so much for adding value to me and to our listeners. You're very welcome. Have a great Bye. day. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. In closing, here's a quick message. Coaching is the art of influence that underpins leadership in the 21st century. It is the very thing that can get you from being stuck to being extraordinary. So go to masterleadership.org and sign up to get a free coaching session. Until next time, continue to ignite that leader in you.